1: Follow the, follow
2: the money. That's what I always say. You always follow yeah, the money.
1: Yeah. This is Follow the Money with Mitch Moss and Polly Howard on Vsin
0: If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local uh, local teams, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of casts designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective, and there are casts now in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, L.A., New York. Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Washington, D.C. Subscribe to your local CityCast wherever you get your podcast. Thursdays are always a special day here on Follow the Money, as it is uh, Thursdays with the maestro, Mike Palm, the VP of Circus Sports, the Golden Gate, and the D in downtown Las Vegas, and also the host of of Odds On, weekdays at 2 o'clock Eastern, 11 Pacific, right here on v Maestro, greetings and
2: salutations as always. How are you, Good pal? morning, Mitch. Good morning, Paul. Good hey, morning, Mike. Lowell, Massachusetts. Our loyal Nesson family. Peoria, Illinois. Peekaboo, Marquee. We see you. Kingston, Ontario. Oh, Canada. Good morning. Watching on Roger Sports. Seven fields in the Pittsburgh area. AT&T, we say good morning. And Dana Point, California. Sunrise on Spectrum. Very cool. Yes. Uh, NFL draft. Okay. A week from tonight. You're very excited. I'm excited for the the parties that I I have a feeling some of these guys are going to be hanging out at Stadium Swim or Legacy or a combination of both after the draft. Oh, can you name names? I can't name any names because I, you know, things change. Everything's in a state of flux.
0: Okay. Can you believe some of the movement here that we've had with with the, first of all, uh, we can get to that. What are you guys
2: going to do here? What are you offering the public to bet on? What a debate this has been internally amongst the team. Matt Metcalf and his guys, Chris Bennett, Jeff Benson. Like on Twitter, he's piped up a lot too. And and I've had my input, but we finally settled on we're going to post 32 player props over under draft position. It'll go up at noon Pacific on Monday. And by Nevada gaming statute, we must take it down at 5 p.m. Pacific on Wednesday, 24 hours before the draft. Now, what about in other states? Now, we're going to do that to be consistent in Colorado. But in Colorado, I think you have 30 minutes until the next pick is made. So it's sort of like a, a rolling thing, right? You can, you can find out who the first pick is and still bet on the third pick if you're, you're going 15 minutes. You, you
0: could keep top. up the live betting in other states if you wanted Good. to.
2: Iowa, you can't offer it. You can't do player props in Iowa. At all? So, yes. Uh, so we, no okay. draft at all. So were you being uh, facetious about the internal struggles? No, no, not at all. This has been a three-week debate. It and has finally, been. I set the deadline. I said, by end of day last Friday, we need to make a decision. And then move forward, right? Are we going to do a lot? Are we going to do a little? Or are we going to do nothing? Because that—that was one of the options as well. I mean, this is tough. Uh, How Well, there's so much inside info, Paulie. Yeah, yeah, so much sure. Info. But
3: take us behind the scenes, behind the curtain, because well, you guys went balls out last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you, know what, you, you, was, you get
2: whacked. You, yeah, we had
3: second, Th- third. Three years round ago,
2: start. you're conservative. Yep. We, you know, lose a little. Then you do a big menu, you lose a lot. Right? I mean. Okay. If the guy knows where he's going so does his mother so does his cousin so does his, the, the the people all the people that work in the front office at that team you I mean there's there's so much information out there so it, when it's, though when what do you mean when but when do they know that well, well also if you you can, you're in they the draft lie. if you're in the they could but I mean if you're in the front office in the, in those places you know who you're picking you know if you're picking third fourth okay. what your choices are yeah. now the, uh, obviously oh. here in a in a year where it's light on the quarterback draft, there's more mobility, and we still really don't know. I mean, this the market fluctuating so much. What I mean, obviously, if they, if if Jacksonville doesn't take Hutchinson, how can Detroit pass on the Michigan guy, right? Right. But but if they do, then what happens? And and so I mean, it's all a big domino effect.
3: Do you agree with the Thibodeau stuff? He was five and a half under one fifteen. Now he's one eighty five, and now he's. Uh, well, mine- I saw minus
2: two forty. Oh, you did? Yeah,
3: under five and minus two forty. Oh God!
2: Now, now I he's think down that's to four. A cheap price. Now he's so, down
3: to four and a half. Yeah, I think that's
0: a
2: cheap price. And you're seeing pick a could dollar go down to three and a half. Oh God! And then a dollar. I've, I've seen a lot of movement in the two pick market with Detroit that they may go with him if Hutchinson goes to Jackson. Uh one book yeah.
0: took him off the board, took mm-hmm. the second pick overall off the board yeah.
2: a week ago. Yeah, and they've and they've had first, third, and fourth up for the last two, last
0: ten days. Bet MGM has him at minus minus one twenty five to go second now. Wow. So. But Some did, books haven't been have the favorite for fourth. I mean, it's it's all over the board. That's true. Did that you guys true. consider bigger menu? Like, Because the menu you guys, you guys put up last year, it was
2: enormous, but just smaller limits. Yeah, we did. But but we don't Good like question. the book Small Limits. That's wow. not in our model, Paul. Yes, but you can... We stand on principle. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay, you can put the ego aside, though, and again... Oh, no, never. You can... <laughs> the whole
2: place was built on hubris. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: Because <laughs> you he could help people out by just saying, "Okay, there might, there is inside information. We don't want to be carried out. We'll just go small yeah. limits here, and it'll be quick to move."
2: Yeah, yeah? Okay, it wasn't no, an option. That's not an option. Uh, well, we t- okay. tried to do that last year. Not maybe we could have made the limits smaller. But uh, well, you know, I, I
3: commend you on what you did last year, but it was also
2: risky business. But I mean, you, you take went, a bet, then you move the number, take a bet, move the number, take yeah. a bet, and you get hit two thousand three times, and oh, you get beat up once a year. Well, that too, not at all. How about when the favorites go 14 and 0 in the NHL on Saturday? Yeah, yeah. yeah. How about that? Okay, <laughs>
0: well, what, what do you think the fee I, this is a, just because I don't know what to expect. What do you think tourists are going to say? And it's not the book's fault because Nevada Gaming again forces books to mm-hmm. take uh, prop bets for the draft off the board at 5 p.m. Pacific time on Wednesday night, 24 hours before the draft. What do you think the feedback is going to be like? Because people are going to flood the city. This is going to be amazing. I can't wait to get my bets in. And yeah. then they,
2: they wake up Thursday morning. Wait a second. I can't bet. What? Well, that might happen. But I mean, if people are paying attention at all, this has been pretty well publicized the last few years about this restriction. Um, and the booking patterns is coming. And people aren't just getting here on Thursday. Yeah, either. for sure. People are coming on Wednesday as the big arrival day. I right? admit so, that I could be <laughs> reaching on that. I, I do admit that. If they yeah. get here late Wednesday, you're done. I mean, you're your done. flight lands at four o'clock, you're in trouble. Uh, if you want to get a draft in. but I think while a lot of people are coming you know you can bet where you're near your home in so many places in America now people are coming because they want to be a part of this festivity and the parties in different places and if they get a chance to be close enough to the draft itself or in one of these nightclubs or these pools where these guys are going to be hanging out uh over the course of the week mm-hmm. that's not a reach by you
3: there could be a root there' be a awake okay that it's not a reach by you how, how bad was Saturday with with the hockey? I mean, this was, not only it was Saturday, bad. it was the three-day run with 22, 23 favorites in a row in hockey. Pretty bad. Yeah?
2: It was, it was, <laughs> pretty, it was pretty pretty bad in Nevada. It was pretty bad in Colorado. Oh, it was pretty bad oh. in Iowa. Did you see this thing, though? It was only the second day ever there's 100 goals scored on Saturday in the NHL. How many of them do you think were empty net goals? Oh, that's a great question. Zero. 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 No, there were zero and 104 goals. There were no. empty you serious? What Is would that, the number yeah. of that oh. have been? Come on. It's impossible. It's like the Celtic <laughs> thing. Tatum's
3: yeah. buzzer beater was the first ever in, at home in Celtics playoff <laughs> right. history. Yeah. How can that be? Hmm? Right? Known empty net. I can't believe it.
2: <laughs> it's it's, <laughs> it's not, a wacky but world. Are you watching these games? Because I bet totals, right? There are fewer and fewer these, these teams go for these empty nets. Which is it's it's smarter because you don't want to ice the puck, Darren. So always says in my day, if you ice the puck with a one-goal lead, you were going to be sitting because you don't do that. You know, mm-hmm. you you dump it and kill the clock. You don't take a chance of getting right. the face off in your zone. But like last night, I, I, what was the, there was a game three and a half minutes. They pulled the goalie, uh, and, and no goal. Uh, uh, was uh, it the Colorado game? Because they scored with like. No, it was. It, uh, it, uh, what, what, what? Oh, Edmonton. Oh, they scored right at the end. Edmonton scored one goal. Yeah, it might have been the Colorado game the night before. There was, there was a Kraken game. Oh. I mean, 240. You would think you'd got a few shots at the net. Right. Because oh. if you turn the ball puck over at all near the blue line, it's a goal. You would think, yeah. yeah.
3: Well, you also hit on something, too. They are they are pulling the goalie early, like way early. Mm-hmm. We're talking, like you said, two, three minutes. <laughs> this is something to watch with playoff time, too. Because if the regular season, the Blackhawks just did it. They right. have multiple empty net goals to put it over six and a half.
2: How about poor Randy McKay on the college championship? Three yeah, empty too. netters to kill his total. Three <laughs> empty netters. Game was one-nothing with 15 minutes. Yes, to go. He yeah. can't get under five and a half. So, expect yeah.
3: shenanigans <laughs> <expection laughs> in the NHL playoffs. It, blind, I would say, if you blindly bet games to go to overtime, that guy made up 30 units last year. You have that angle, too. But, uh, third period overs as well. Because they're just, they're, they're pulling these guys early. And if they give up one, to hell with it. We're down two goals. Who cares? Give up another one. Keep them out. You're not going back mm-hmm. into the goalie. That's something to watch with, with how they're doing this. Good point. Well, what are you gonna do? Uh, cause we talked to Jeff Davis from Circa earlier this
0: week, and he said, like, if we get Florida and Toronto in the playoffs, he's gonna you gotta post a seven for the total.
2: But it is playoff hockey, and you like to bet unders. So the whole question to me to this playoffs is will the will it the style change. Florida is so good on the transition. What they mm-hmm. can do when they get the puck in the defensive zone. I mean, every time you look up, they're on a three-on-two. They're a machine, mm-hmm. yeah. But will this continue in the playoffs? Are teams going to turn the puck over as much and be as loosey-goosey? with? Because it? it never happens in the playoffs. You know four-and-a-half is a standard number when we got to the playoffs now. Can you keep posting 6 and a Scoring is way up. It's the highest since, what, mm-hmm. like 1983 or yeah. something? Yep. Teams are averaging 4.2 goals a game, 4.1 goals a game. But I don't know. I just I just don't trust it. I don't trust Bobrovsky. I'd rather have Shisturkin. I'd rather have Carolina in the east. Tampa Bay doesn't look like Tampa Bay to me. Right. And how, how do you bet on a team at five fifty? Lose to Detroit at home, minus five fifty. Florida's gonna be six dollars tonight against Detroit. Six dollars? Yeah. Oh, oh man. Oh god. It's not possible. Yeah. No, yeah. it shouldn't yeah. happen in baseball, shouldn't happen right. in hockey. Calgary right. was right. six dollars <laughs> the other night. The other thing,
3: yeah. I don't know when it started, but I know when we were watching the playoff games in the bubble, they call everything now. It used to be, oh, you got to you know kill somebody to no, get a no. penalty. Oh no, it's a it's a parade to the penalty it, box, it, yeah. power play, power it,
1: every play. Every time you slow play. somebody
3: down, it's hooking.
2: Yes, I mean, it, yes, it's, that's
0: right. You, yeah. You'll see periods with seven penalties. Yeah, yes. Uh, quick baseball question: Are you fading the Reds every single
2: day? Yeah, Why well, do you have to? Don't you? you? Have they to. Can't like, first score. five they can't yeah, score, can't hit, can't score, can't score. Eighteen runs in nine games. Have lost nine in a row. I don't want to overreact the
0: Padres. I mean, because the, they just took them out, but Padres fully healthy. Once they get Cleveringer back. If Darvish can, he's been good twice out of three starts. Once Tatis comes back.
2: Padres have nine wins, they're fourth in the West. That, think about, think, think think about that,
1: that. Think about that.
2: Have you got your uh, Merrill Kelly Cy Young tickets? This guy doesn't give up any runs. Again, yesterday. Is he even on the board? I, I don't think so. Do you find him at 1,000 to 1? I mean, yeah, I probably get him for, at more than that because he. It's going to be tough to win 10 games with Arizona. Oh, right, boy, another one. But he hasn't given up any runs. Yeah, zero, one, zero. Yep,
0: <laughs> That's another one, by the way. You talk about how many goals we're getting in hockey. A lot of uh, low-scoring games in baseball so far. A lot of
2: them. A lot of them. But people don't like to bet under, so that's okay. Well, yeah, right. True. For the book, it's great. Yeah, sure. Nobody wants to bet it under. Good point. People <laughs> bet what they want to <laughs> see.
3: What is it, 62% on the season or 61%? Yeah. Let's
0: right, so follow the money here on v the sports betting network Thursdays with the maestro Mike Palm, VP of Circus Sports. Uh, the D in Golden Gate in downtown Las Vegas, also host of uh, Odds On Weekdays at 2 Eastern right here on Vison. And up next, he will provide with us uh, the five biggest gaps of the previous week in something we like to call no hyperbole, coming up here on Follow the Money.
1: the Sports Betting Network.
3: Welcome back. Winners and winers giving out three free picks from three of the best and hottest handicappers in the business. Ben Hayes, David Hess, Scott Steen are on a combined 26-8 run, and they have three free plays in Major League Baseball. To get all three free picks, text VEASAN to area code 320-350-3500. That's VEASAN. 3500 3, 3, It's won seventeen Emmys. It's time for no hyperbole.
2: Number five, I for a muay thai. During the bottom of the first inning during Tuesday's Reds Padres game at Petco Park, Luke Voit attempted to score from first base on a double by Jerkson Profar. Shortstop Kyle Farmer's relay throw took catcher Tyler Stevenson to the right-handed batter's box, and Voigt collided with him. Stevenson held on to the ball for the out, but suffered a concussion on the play and will miss seven days. Former Padre and current Reds outfielder Tommy Pham took exception to Voigt's slide.
3: It's the way the way his his hands hit him, the way his hands hit him, it's dirtiest, you know. I don't like it at all. The way his hands hit him in the face—it was dirty. If Luke want to settle it, but I get down really well. Any anything, Muay Thai, whatever. Like I said, I, know I got an owner here who let me use this facility. So.
2: Oh, wow. Now, fam, a proud Whoa. graduate of Durango High School, right here in Las Vegas, goes 6 and 210, while Vite goes 6-3 and 260. So what's got Tommy Pham so darned upset? Well, the Reds are 2-11. They've lost nine straight and have scored a total of, wait for it, 18 runs in those nine games. They managed just three runs in the series at Petco. Pham might also be missing that weather he enjoyed in San Diego the last two seasons. Tommy, I don't think Luke Voigt is going to meet you at your friend's gym. So enjoy your 58-win season in Southern Ohio, and we'll look for you at your next stop in 2023. (laughs) Number four, defaming time. The logo Jerry West is hot and he has every right to be the former Laker executive and NBA Hall of Famer is demanding an apology, a retraction and damages over his portrayal in the HBO series winning time, which chronicles the Lakers organization during the Showtime era of the 1980s. The series, which airs on Sunday evenings, is based on Jeff Perlman's book depicts West not as the architect of one of the greatest dynasties in NBA history, but as a rage filled drunk and West has the facts on his side and most of the principal witnesses as well. They are lined up from players like Kareem and Michael Cooper and Jamal Wilkes to front office personnel like Mitch Kupchak and Bob Steiner and even frontline staff who all attest that the Jerry West portrayed in Winning Time has nothing to do with the man they worked with and for. It's likely that HBO and show producer Adam McKay will argue that this series is, quote, a dramatization and therefore insulates them from any liability. But how about culpability? It's morally irresponsible to attack a man's character in this way. As Kareem wrote, they turned Jerry West into a wily coyote cartoon to be laughed at. I hope Jerry West gets his satisfaction. Number three, the pomp and circumstance. On February 4th, 1964, Pompano Park opened in Broward County, Florida. The harness racing track went dark for the final time on Sunday night, closing Mm -hmm. its doors after 58 years of racing. The winter capital of harness racing was the place to be in South Florida during the 70s and 80s, averaging crowds near 7,000 people, double what attend the Oakland A's games today. In recent years, Caesars Entertainment purchased a track and added a casino. Then Caesars lobbied heavily for a decoupling bill that removed the requirement of an operational racetrack to hold a casino license. Just a month after that bill was signed into law, Pompano Park is gone. But it didn't go without a fight. Gabe Pruitt, director of racing at Pompano, as well as the track's race caller, rallied his send it army, and Pompano had its best handle season ever, with 21 cards exceeding $1 million. But now it's gone, as well as the livelihoods it provided for over 10,000 people. The story of Pompano Park is a cautionary tale for tracks across the country. Most every casino that owns a racetrack doesn't want to be in the horse racing business, and most don't bother to hide their disdain for the sport. But let's not forget about the hundreds of thousands of people across this country who support their families on the horse racing industry. States should carefully weigh the economic impact on those families and communities before passing these decoupling laws. Number two, when right is so wrong. It was a Wednesday afternoon in April. Hall of Fame basketball coach Jay Wright issued a statement that after 35 years in coaching, the last 21 is the head man at Villanova, He was stepping down and focusing on spending time with his family. He will remain in the role as a special assistant to the program. Jay Wright is 60. Over the next 48 hours, many articles and testimonials will be written about Wright, about his two national titles, four Final Fours, about the toughness he instilled in his teams, about the beautiful ways he got the ball to his big men, about the way he could take the air out of a game, about how he did all this with humility and class. always class. But what about us, Jay? How could you deny us a year-long farewell tour? The chance to watch you be adulated and send off ceremonies in Omaha and Milwaukee, in Chicago and Cincinnati, in D.C. and New York City, all while insisting this was about the kids. How could you deny Fox Sports 1, the official channel of Villanova Basketball, the chance to telecast at least 20 of your games in your final season? How could you spare Ed Cooley and his staff? From being ridiculed for not showing proper reverence during your final home game at Fennerin Pavilion. How could you, coach? How could you? With Coach K's long goodbye finally complete, I was looking forward to Jay Wright being the standard bearer for college basketball for the next decade. I am sad that won't come to fruition, but happy for you, coach. You were classy all the way through the end. And number one, Fortunate Flat Earther. During game one of the first round Eastern Conference series between the Nets and the Celtics, Kyrie Irving was on his very best behavior. He wiped his feet on the logo in the garden, he repeatedly gave the Celtic fans the middle finger and shouted profanities at them. These same fans he underwhelmed in two seasons with the Celtics. These same fans who he promised he would be coming back to Boston shortly before signing with the Nets. And after the game, he doubled down on his behavior, justifying that it was the playoffs. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver responded with a $50,000 fine. A $50,000 fine? Kyrie's salary is $35 million. He makes $425,000 per game. He averages 36 minutes per game. That's approximately $12,000 per minute played. Nice job, Adam Silver. You fined him for four minutes of play. Four minutes pay for rebuking your fans and disgracing the game. Adam Silver should be fine for that. In a 2017 podcast with UConn women's coach Gino Auriemma, Kyrie clarified his assertion that the earth is flat. Quote, there isn't a good picture of the earth, and we haven't been to the moon since 1961. Duke education. Coach K, student athlete. In his defense, other famous flat earthers have also clarified their beliefs. In a terrific article written by Giuseppe Verde in the Genoa Free Press in 1502, Christopher Columbus is quoted as saying, I never said the earth was flat. I said Queen Isabella was. And that is no hyperbole. Good
3: kicker. <laughs> Very good. Way to go. Writing is superb. Dynamite. I'll tell you what. Uh, we might need a, a apology from Paul, to Paul Westhead, too, as he's treated like a, a complete buffoon in this show as well. I, where's the cocaine? That's where's the cocaine? How do you talk about this team? And the problems well, in the NBA. If they're going to make
2: stuff up, they're going to
3: avoid talking
2: about yeah, it. That probably right, it never yeah, happened. Yeah, sure, None of this stuff—throwing sure. the trophy through the glass, yeah. the drinking, and the office in the book at all. Where they just added all this to the yeah. to the mini- yeah, they they did. Did. It's they did. terrible. Right.
0: Yeah. They, so, but Jeff Perlman came out yeah. last week to go back at Bob Ryan, who had a major problem mm-hmm. with it. And Perlman, who wrote the book, said, "But it's a TV show. This happens.
3: And, and Perlman aye, doesn't aye. have a problem with yeah. it. I, 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 I've interviewed Spencer Haywood. He told mm. me cocaine." took 15 points per game off his average. They're like, oh, he's just, they don't even mention it in the show why he's not playing. I can't. The guy's high all the time.
0: Please, every time this show comes up, we we got to show the photo. Again, the the Julius Irving
3: slash Larry Bird combo here is just, it's too good. Oh, my God. Can you you get Bob Ryan on again? Larry Bird walked around with a Budweiser chewing tobacco and spitting in a Budweiser cup? Mm. Can? I mean, come on. (laughs) Uh, What, What a bomb
0: yesterday with Jay Wright. Oh, I'm with you. I thought he was already the best coach in college
2: basketball. I've been saying this with them all and- the whole season that he's clearly the best coach in college basketball yep. right now. And I bemoan the fact that they all wear these pullovers now because he was the best dress coach as well. Oh yeah. The best suits yep. ever. But I saw a video last night and
0: it was so great. And I retweeted it. Um, somebody put together a side-by-side video of the very end, and you're going to hate this, but it's when they beat North Carolina, mm, right? The shot, but the shot, <laughs> and as soon as they get it uh-huh. to, um, oh no, I'm blanking. Is it per- um, Perkins who made the shot? Ah, oh, boy, um, was it? Was and, anyway, it? Huh? he go- before he has it in his hands, he's catching the ball. He goes bang. Then he <laughs> shoots it. It's good, and he just turns around, and starts walking towards uh, Roy Williams. Yeah. There was he never changes his, his emotions
2: at all. Think about the changing uh-huh. of the guard in college basketball within just over a year. Roy Williams, Coach K, and Jay Wright all gone transfer portal. Mm. Too much to deal with yeah. now? Headaches?
3: Uh, I can't believe he's 60. Did. I couldn't believe
2: that. Because he looks a lot better? Well, he doesn't look 60. What yeah. would you have guessed? 55? Not even that. 52? Yeah. 21 uh, years at Villanova. Yeah. doesn't feel it like, does it when feel like, took, like when that when he either. took over, they were in NIT school. Uh, yeah. It took him five years to get him to the
0: tournament. Built into one yeah. of the best programs in the country. Yeah. Long day today?
2: Oof. A lot of filming. Filming. What's the guarantee? All right. You guys are involved. Little oh, little teaser? Yeah. Okay. All he wants is uh, Sag minimum. Of course. <laughs> of course These pretzels
3: <laughs> are making me thirsty.
2: Uh, Absolutely. Ma- Mike Dettillier
0: does a draft guide, works for WWL in New Orleans, uh, is great on the SEC and the draft. How many quarterbacks are going in the first round? And does he like this receiver to go as the first one drafted?
1: the Sports Betting Network.
3: We are all in for the draft next week right here in Vegas. Special draft preview show this Sunday, 6 p.m. Tim Murray and Sean King will break down all the first-round prospects and props. Guests will include Brent Musburger, Michael Lombardi, Mike Golick. The draft special this Sunday, 6 p.m. right here on VEASAN and download our NFL Draft Betting Guide, Best Bets, Mock Drafts, Everything you need to score big, download it for just $10. com slash draft for more info. com slash draft. I love our next guest. He's been on the show many times. He does a terrific job with college
0: football, the NFL, and the draft. He works at uh, WWL in New Orleans and also saintsreport.com where you can uh, take a peek at his draft report. His name is Mike Detillier and he joins us now. Hey, Mike, it's, uh, it's a week from tonight. You pretty excited?
1: So, yeah, I am. I'm always ready because, um, you know, it, it's a game-changer, and it's going to be a game-changer for one team. It does every year.
0: Yeah, no question mm-hmm. it does. I want to begin with, you know, based on the news that we had with another wide receiver yesterday, and Debo Samuel, according to reports, wants to get traded and uh, move on from San Francisco. And we've seen this now with multiple, I mean, impactful, big-name receivers uh, many times this off season. What do you think that does for teams and their approach drafting wide receivers now from this point forward, because they want to break the bank. These, these receivers do. And then the prop has been five and a half receivers to go in the first round, which is now juiced to the moon, but your thoughts overall in that position.
1: Well, I think it's twofold here. One, we are seeing the football tsunami at wide receiver. If you go back in 2018, five of the top 50 picks were, were wide receivers 2019, four of the top 50. 2020, we talked about it on this show, there were 11 of the top 49 players selected were wide receivers last year, seven. And now the money element gets into play. And what Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Christian Kirk, Stephon Diggs gets, and now with Samuel McLaurin, uh, Metcalf, A.J. Brown, what they want. If I'm a GM, do I want to spend 22 to 24 million dollars on a receiver? Uh I got to think about it. So why wouldn't I just pick one? And my thing about it is I get him my football minimum wage for at least 3 years. And I don't have to pay that huge amount of money in that spot. So that's why I think there'll be seven receivers going around one seven and the potential of an eighth.
3: Wow! Wow! Okay. Eight. Okay. When when does the run start? I mean, like, how high can you take a wide receiver? Do the Jets uh, trade back? Do they do they start with the run at ten? Take us through that thought process.
1: I, I think it'll start at the ten spot where you start to see the receivers get peeled off. Uh, now it is Baskin Robbins that receiver. Everybody's <laughs> got a different opinion on who's the top of the on top of the list. Now, if he were healthy, Jamison Williams would be the guy. Uh, but, again, he's coming off the knee injury. He is seemingly making great progress in that area. But I think it will end up being Garrett Wilson uh, from Ohio State, who's the first guy off uh, the wide receiver board. And I think Drake London, Jamison Williams, Chris Olave, uh Treylon Burks, uh, Jahan Dotson, bang, bang, bang. You'll see it uh, from 10 to, like, say, 24. The question mark is, does a guy like George Pickens – and you think back in his high school career and what he did early at Georgia before the knee injury, okay, you can make the same sort of argument that you did for Jamison Williams. And you can get him in the twenties. Uh so that's why I could see seven receivers uh going round one and the potential of an eighth. But I think it starts at that ten spot because those big linemen, they're gonna eat up everything early, offensive, uh, defensive line wise.
0: Yeah, no question. So you think If you can find a first-round prop on pickings, and the number is right, maybe bet on that, who would the eighth fringe receiver be, in your opinion?
1: Well, there's a lot of people that like Christian Watkins. Um, I I don't think he's a first-round pick guy. I think he's more of a second-round pick receiver. But if they start to peel off quickly, and we've all seen sort of some odd picks from, say, 27 to 32. Maybe guys that we thought would go in round two, actually end up in round one and teams get a little bit itchy for a player. Hey, man, they can talk all this, they all they want about best player on the board. They're picking the best player on the board at the biggest need position for them. And with all these teams having unloaded some of these huge contracts on receivers, then you're trying to fill that spot. You can't say, I'm going to find that A.J. Brown or D.K. Metcalf in round two. You did a few years ago. But today, you're looking at a totally different situation because of the way the game is played and how it's paid.
0: Well said. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, to, so to follow up what you said about offensive and defensive linemen, I'm looking right now at a prop at one shop here in town, Mike. Total number of offensive linemen drafting in round one. The over-under is 7.5. The over is plus 128 on that. Can we get as many as 8, you think, in the first round?
1: I think you probably will. Um, uh, you know, again, and you'll have three going the to top ten. I mean, all three tackles are gonna go in the top ten hmm. uh Evan Neil uh, Iquaano, and also Charlie Cross. I think he is the more underrated of the three and the best pass blocker of the three. I think if you privately talk to people in the league, they all tell you that I got to see him play as a high school kid in that Mississippi state quite a bit, certainly uh being here in Louisiana. <laughs> He is the best pass protector of the three. I think all three go in the top 10. And what's going to be interesting is in the 20s, teams looking at interior players, like a Lindenbaum, the center from Iowa, Kenyon Green, who I think is one of the most underrated players in his draft class, and Zion Johnson from Boston College, who can play both center and guard. Man, if you're paying this kind of money for quarterbacks, you better damn well protect them.
3: Yep, yep. What do the Saints do at 16, and there's two-and-a-half heavily juiced to the over available? You can find three-and-a-half heavily juiced to the under. How many quarterbacks go?
1: For the Saints, I think that they they have two obvious needs, and that's at offensive tackle and also at wide receiver. They have no speed at the receiver position from a starting standpoint. And last year, they probably had the worst receiving core in the National Football League. So they have to upgrade that even if they would somehow some way come up with a deal for Jarvis Landry. Jarvis is not a speed receiver. He's really a slot guy that can work the short intermediate routes. They need somebody that can (laughs) break the top off of coverage. So, but at 16, uh, they need a tackle. Having lost to Ron Armstead, Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa would seemingly be the guy if he's there at that point. And then you come back and get a receiver it could well be Chris Olave uh, from Ohio State.
0: Okay. And, and then the question, and we're talking to Mike detillier WWL in New Orleans, saintsreport.com, uh, puts together a draft report every single year that's terrific. Uh, th- the question that a total number of quarterbacks taken in the first round, like Paulie said. Three. Y- you think it's going to be three? So n- n- it's I not going to go o- more than that. Okay. And who are
1: they? No, I, I, think, I think it'll be Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, Matt Corral. I think those three guys get picked. I think Ritter falls into round two. Ooh,
0: okay. Well, that's not good for some of my recent bets oh, that I made. Um, wh- when does that start? And then, how high do you think Corral goes?
1: Well, I think it starts. Carolina's got to take a long look at that. And there is that connection. The Matt Rule. Um, you know, he got a verbal commitment from Kenny Pickett coming out of high school until they showed him the money. And, you know, and he went to Baylor and Pickett ended up at university of Pittsburgh. Uh, do you feel confident in anything at what they have at quarterback today? Oh no. And, and don't give me the Baker Mayfield story. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, so nothing, I think kind of gives more juice to a franchise guys. I think you guys would agree than a young quarterback. It, it sort of puts the jumper cables on that team. And so I, I see Carolina being the team to go with Kenny Pickett, who is more NFL-ready today than any of the quarterbacks in this draft class. Who has the most potential is Malik Willis, uh, because he's built. Mm -hmm. uh, When you take a look at him, he's built like Devin White was coming out of LSU. I mean, he's a thickly-built guy, strong-arm, great leader. Uh, His inaccuracy skills at times in the short, intermediate part of the game, I think that's an area... That's a little concerning, but I think he can get better overall. And I think he will go in that 10 to 19 range. Somebody's going to trade up to get Malik Willis. And I think Corral goes from 22 to 32, somewhere in that range for Matt Corral. The thing with Matt is he was, he's like a boxer. He learned how to take a punch uh, and he got hit a lot. You can't run him 30 times a game like what happened against Tennessee, and but man, he was real accurate. He's a tough guy, very sharp in that short and immediate part of the game, which is so much part of the NFL today.
0: Yeah, we'll continue with Mike Detillier here on Follow the Money. It's VSIN, the Sports Betting Network for one more segment. Again, WWL in New Orleans, SaintsReport.com does a great job with the draft report. So I want to ask him a follow up on Corral. Like, how confident is he uh, that he's going to go in the first round coming up next? How about this? How many running backs will we get, if any, in the first round? And what about the the first offensive lineman? I know he brought up three, but how many SEC players as well? There's a prop for that all coming up next.
1: The Sports Betting Network.
3: Picks, top horse racing plays from Express Bet Editor in Chief Jeremy Planck. We're going to Keeneland today. Race six, he likes the two. Eyes on target. And race seven, he likes the five. Mind for passion on top at six to one. I think he had a 12-to-1 shot last week. Bet these races and all the others at first bet get the app. Sign up today with First Bet using code VEGAS1000 for an instant $10 free plus up to $1,000 bonus. VEASAN.com slash horses for details. VEASAN.com slash horses. We continue talking NFL Draft with Mike Detillier, WWL in New Orleans.
0: SaintsReport.com puts together his draft guide. Quickly to follow up on the Matt Corral uh, opinion that you have on him. So if you can find him to be a first-round pick, you're pretty convinced that he's going to go in the top 32?
1: Yes, I am. Uh, I think some team may trade up to get him. Uh, but uh, his accuracy skills, his smarts, and also he's got a connected head coach. to so a lot of mm-hmm. people in this league, and they, a lot of people, yeah, listen, they might talk what they want about Kiffin, but they believe that he knows what he's talking about from a quarterback standpoint.
0: Okay. Do we get a running back in the first round?
1: No. Uh, last year, you, we all spoke about it, and I thought there would be two. And uh-huh. you know Najee and Travis Etienne uh, both went in round one, uh, but I don't, I don't. That's not going to be a repeat situation. I think there are zero running backs that will go in round one. I think both Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker will go in round two, and so we almost back to the norm now, where the devaluation of that running back comes into play, where we see the elevation at wide receiver, yep. we see the devaluation at the running back position,
0: the prop. Total number of SEC players drafted in the first round is around ten and a half. How many SEC players do you think we get, Mike?
1: That's close. And it's an unusual year because over the last five years, Alabama has produced 21 first-round picks. Um, so that's, a, that's an easy average of four there. Uh, they'll have two this year with Jamison Williams and Evan Neal. LSU, over the last five years, ten. So it's two per year. And this year they'll only have one with Stingley. But the Bulldogs bail them out. I think it goes to 11. I think it's 11 first-round picks for the SEC. But Georgia bails them out, so to speak. And that's why they won the national championship with that talent that they have. And especially on defense, when you look across the board, what a Trayvon Walker, Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, Quay Walker, and at, line, at certainly a at linebacker, N'Kobe Dean, who reminds me so much of Jonathan Vilma when I saw him come out of Miami or Florida.
3: Is it, do you think Hutchinson goes number one? How confident are you?
1: I'm not confident because I, I have seen Trent Baalke's, uh draft in the past, if it's in San Francisco, if it's in Jacksonville, and I think the heavy lean for him is Trayvon Walker uh, to be the first overall pick and go to Jacksonville which would basically put Aiden Hutchinson going to Detroit. Mm -hmm. And I think Kayvon Thibodeau goes right after him. I think it'll be bang, bang, bang. Uh, you'll, You'll see those defensive linemen come off the board. So my deal is I think Trayvon Walker becomes the first overall pick. Hutchinson goes to Detroit at two, and then Thibodeau goes three. How
3: about what Atlanta does at eight?
1: That's the biggest intrigue for me, because I think they're getting pressure from the owner that we need a quarterback for the future. Uh-huh. We don't have our guy. And so uh, it's interesting how people who sign the checks uh, also have a little bit of influence here. <laughs> 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 and you wonder a little bit if there isn't a push uh, to quite possibly go after Malik Willis.
3: Okay. And now, okay, All right. That'd be interesting. Whoa, whoa, what? Give me... Give me You just surprised me with number one. But what would the biggest surprise be? Give me something that could shock people on Thursday.
1: I don't know about shocking early, uh, because I think all the names are the same. But on the back end, uh, people you know, talked about it. George Pickens uh, from Georgia going in round one. And one guy to keep an eye on uh, in the 20s, 30, 31, 32, that's Logan Hall. There is a lot of buzz about that defensive lineman from Houston uh, going there. remember Peyton Turner last year. The the buzz was a little bit later that he potentially could get himself in there. The Saints took him. I think Logan Hall is the guy uh, because of his ability to play both defensive end, defensive tackle, long lean athlete. He goes in round one, and don't be shocked that it's Pickens from Georgia also.
0: Okay, a lot of steam on two different cornerbacks. Ahmad Garner, his uh, draft position, Mike, was 7.5. That's all the way down to 5.5 now at many shops. How high do you think he goes? And the other one is Derek Stingley. Uh, His number is also moved. It's now sitting at 10.5.
1: Yeah, I think it's about right for Stingley. And Listen, I can make you a pretty good argument. Based off of his freshman season, he would have been the top-rated player in his draft class. But now it's about availability. It's not about talent. I mean, Derek Stingley, he goes down for me, and I've done this 36 years. Uh, He's one of the three best players I've ever seen at LSU. Uh, And as a freshman, that was was no cornerback that's ever played like that at LSU in his first year. No cornerback. They stayed away from Stingley. But then you had the injuries and inconsistent play, and a lot of it had to do with the injuries, and also they brought in Bo Pelini. Who knows what defense they were running back then? Uh, so, uh, but if I'm going to use a top eight or nine pick on a, I want the cleanest player I can get. And at this point, because of his injuries, that has to flow through your head. No matter how talented he is, that is he going to be available? He wasn't available for 12 games. Could he be available for 17? So I've got to think about that. I still think he'll be a top 12 pick, but man, um, that availability is a big part of playing in the NFL. Okay, you can be good, but you can't do it always in the tub, always hurt, and it's legit injuries, but still, it's part of it. And that's why I think you see the certainly the buzz on Sauce Gardner, who I think will end up being a top six pick in this draft class. Sure, uh, and and he is. <laughs> He hadn't been beat much at Cincinnati. You watch him, man. He he's glued uh, to a wide receiver. And uh, again, it's a premium. If you're going to pay this much for receivers, you better have people that can cover. So that's why you know I've seen some people. They think Stingley will last into the twenties. There's no way in hell he's going that far. <laughs> uh, now, if you're saying he's going to be picked in the top six or seven, uh, you you got a point. But you need to have people that can cover. If you look at what's being hit now hard in the NFL with all these receivers coming out like never before, and that's not stopping. Uh, you go to these camps and you've got 400 kids, uh, 250 of them are playing wide receiver. Mm. You're going to get run over when they say go to this field uh, if you're standing in front. Uh, it's the new it position uh, for players, and so you better have people that can cover. And I think Sauce will be a top six. I think that uh, Stingley will go in the top 12.
0: Okay, very strong. Last thing, because you brought up Charles Cross and how much you like him as a pass protector and how important that is yep. today in the NFL. So, but you were thinking about three offensive linemen in the top 10. Cross is eight to one to go first offensive lineman off the board. Worth a bet, or you don't see that happening?
1: I don't see it happening. Uh, now, there's a lot of mixed opinion between Neil and Icky. On which one's the better one? Now I've got Neil as the higher-rated player. He's played left tackle, right tackle, left guard, and started in the SEC at those positions. Icky became the first freshman at North Carolina State to start at tackle as a freshman since 2010. So you talk about two pretty unique guys here. Uh, but man, Charles Cross of the three is the better pass protector. I think he's a top ten pick, mm. but I think Neil and Icky will go ahead of him.
0: Awesome! Uh, you can follow Mike on Twitter. He's at Mike Detillier, WWL in New Orleans, and also the Draft Report, saintsreport.com. dot uh, Mike, I can't tell you uh, enough how much we love to have you on the program. Thanks so much for the time today. Uh, enjoy the week leading up to the draft, and certainly the, the event next week. Uh,
3: we appreciate it.
1: Thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate it anytime.
3: Yeah, be good. Well done,
0: there sir. You
1: go. Beautiful.
3: Brother Stingley, that, that was that's tough. He said, but. Go what, what did he say? Top, well, the, the prop is 11 and a half. It's 11 and a half, so Over he said top even, 12, so. he says yep. for sure. Okay. And no way in hell he drops
0: to like 20 or something like that. Yeah. Mm. And he's pretty, he talks a lot of people. So he's pretty strong there on Corral being a first-round pick. He's not the only one. No,
3: you said that you've noticed yes. that a lot here lately. Well, I, I did see him top 10 in a mock. I mean, the guy was with SI.com, but I've seen plenty of Corral back into the first round now. Mm. But that's, yeah, yeah. I think I think Ritter goes too. That that's, that's your four. That's, that's what I think. That's a too. good that's a good plus price out there here on on over three and, a on half. three and a half. Yeah. He's he's certain on Corral. Not not on Ritter, but I yep. I think Ritter's still gonna get in there. You know, I, I do love his angle on the wide receiver position. Yes, he's right. Eight. He, I haven't heard that
0: yet. He thinks eight. possibly eight, yeah, but he he, he said for sure like seven. North Dakota State kid, yes. So if you can find mm-hmm. over six, which probably won't exist, but over six and a half at a nice number, maybe worth a flyer I do not I c I don't I haven't seen six and a half, but so juicy. Yeah. That's it for us. Uh, enjoy the game tonight. Good luck with your bets. We're back tomorrow at 7 Eastern. We'll see you then. Bye-bye.
1: Thought there was a sports betting off season?
2: Think again. Our Veasan sports betting experts are working 24/7 to keep you informed on every sport on the schedule. The over pays the same for a baseball game or a football
1: championship, and our team grinds year round to help him. Grinds year round to help him. Grinds year round to help him. Grinds year. round